0: The Red 78. Once we were back, we were back for a period. That was of time. when televisions were television to in black and white, Quinny. Yeah, what that's right. Chad, the... Yeah, you had big buttons <laughs> and all Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into
1: your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. There are so many idiots out there, so many. There's a lot of horse.
0: I think he's a total spoofer. What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bullsh**. -er. Ah, no, Eamon, come on, don't be, don't be, no, I'm not
1: No. Ta-da! T-A-A, Trent Alexander-Arnold, da! Trent's magic helps hit back at critics. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. (laughs) He's he's lashed the critics by uh, good quality defending. Oh, no, he scored a goal. Doyle's battle against Lily's mind games, so... Uh, Johnny Doyle was out doing press for the, the club championship and he says he reckons the main problem the ca- counties in Leinster have are from the neck up with the dubs the challenge for all teams is to get over that because that's the way it has been for 10 or 12 years now a 10 point defeat is viewed as success by most counties Kildare obviously conceded 5 goals and it felt like the first 2 minutes uh, against uh, the dubs in the Leinster final but he says Kildare will be in a far better place going into year 2 uh, we like to think we have a a lot of good young lads coming we've had success at underage level against the Dubliners of this world still Dublin are where they are I'd like to think that gap is being bridged but how wide the gap is still is uh, TBC
0: so <laughs> best of luck in closing that gap but I, I, don't, see, I don't think most of those counties would, would view a 10 point defeat as a success I, I know what they're saying I think they
1: would I, think I don't think, I think Kildare would well no, other than Kildare right we don't think it's a, a success like the game has to be in the, in the melting pot
0: um, yeah on Meve as well potentially I well, would probably think 10 points yeah I I take that you know uh these people be sure to comment on the on the stream this morning um yeah I I think that that gap is going to close uh it feels like it's going to close is potentially is uh, yeah
1: well, the, the uh, dubs not just get their two best generational players back Two other generational
0: players they did I don't know but, but talk of Ben McCormick maybe staying on chair I know there was the, the the rumored trip to Australia for him but Johnny's kind of playing it down in some of the papers remains to be seen whether, whether he will go or not yeah I really hope
1: I hope he's right um, at the same time if that's what his life journey is then like you know go and have your year and, and see what life is like um, the Caldera players went down to visit Miko in the summer there's a great picture of mm. um, many of them um, Dermot Early's there Glenn Ryan's there it looks like Anthony Rainbow's there and a couple of others are down visiting Mikko in Waterville uh, this summer so yeah um, that was that was very nice to see
0: and he said they all went down to have a chat yeah I think uh, Johnny says in the piece that uh, they had heard he wasn't in the, in the best of health and they went down just to kind of have the chat and catch up with him um, uh, they said obviously he doesn't move on his feet as well as he, as, as he used to but his brain is as sharp as it ever has been uh, kind of a circular thing to it as well you know Nace and Klain are playing in the Kildare Senior Championship Final this weekend and I think that was the exact game years ago where where Mick O'Dwyer was was unveiled as, as the Kildare manager nase versus lane in the senior final and I, I, like the, the way Johnny tells the story is that most of the people there for the Nace playing final were probably there to see mick o'dwyer unveiled as the as the kildare senior boss you can imagine the excitement in the in the county when when that was happening but um it's it's funny those visits down to waterville and i know those kildare teams Trained down in Waterville, didn't they? For for much of the much of the time when Mick O'Dwyer was was manager, I know they went down often during the summer and stuff to to kind of um, to to train them. The trip. Well, exactly, to get the trip and, and and drink the water down in Waterville. But uh, even Johnny was telling us a story in one, in one of those uh, articles where um, Mick was talking during that um, visit during the summer about the the changes in, in Gaelic football, even in, in coaching, and how Mick o trained the Kerry team at one point in the eighties for, I think it was 27 days in a row, he said. Um, You know, it just absolutely wouldn't happen now. I mean, talk about about burnout and and players going too far, but... um kind of highlights how, how far things have come since Micko's days of coaching but great to see that the photo of the lads and, and micko in the summer down in, down in Waterville for sure a lot of that uh, great Kildare team you grew up with uh, oh yeah robbed in the All-Ireland Final of course <laughs> uh,
1: McManus is going nowhere it says on the back of the star JP McManus' commitment to Limerick GA remains as strong as ever insists Treaty County Chairman John Cregan I, I, like, I didn't see the speculation anywhere until I went looking for it mm. after everybody told us about the speculation and um, was it not just one young fellow from Tipperary who has a long history of inventing things on Twitter. Is that not, not? Is that not where this? Seems to be where 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 it wasn't. It wasn't a media outlet. It wasn't no. the, like a uh, uh, itk gaa stan
0: <laughs> it, account. No, but it highlight it highlights how 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 much silly season it is in GAA at the moment that we have the Kieran Donohue to us Common rumours. We have. You know, the likes of who's heading to Australia, who's not. Ben McCormick being the one in in today's papers because we don't know whether he's going or not. Uh, And we have this story as well about JP... um falling out with the Limerick County Board and, and pulling out of the sponsorship deal, which has absolutely been rubbished by the, by the Limerick County Board chairman in, uh, in today's paper. So, yeah, uh, GEA and WhatsApp rumours seem to go hand in hand this time around. Well, particularly Joe. this year, when like, things seem to have gone pretty well for Limerick and the,
1: the hurlers all seem to have had a good time at a dare. It just felt like the relationship was stronger than ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. I, 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 so, look, maybe, and sure, look, <clears throat> you would say, well, what else would they
0: say? do you know they're being cynical about it, what else would they say? Well, true, and cynical, cynical me as I, as I mentioned yesterday, thinking that the you know the, these Connacht Telegraph um, rumours that came out about Donaghy being for, uh, founded in Mayo potentially. Uh, well, who knows where the which county these Limerick rumours were founded in? But I would suggest they probably weren't in Limerick. I
1: mean, maybe, maybe as Common were thinking, should we get the lads? And they had a conversation about it, and then somebody was supposed to ring them, and then they never did. You know, you don't know yeah, that they're yeah, like one the, the, the genesis of some truth in that, mm-hmm. and like they should be looking at Donnie. Donaghy's going to be. A brilliant County coach. Of course, yeah. Gavin's yeah. already cut his teeth a little bit, and it'd be like, what a dream team that would be. Mm-hmm. You're getting sponsors if the two lads are involved. Oh yeah, yeah. You're bringing
0: attention. People it's, are showing up. It's A-list. No one's like, well, we like, will they like, commit or not. They're like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. There's no lads going to Australia when, when they hear that the management team's there, to be fair. Um, just wanted
1: we didn't do very much on the 4 all draw between Shells and St. Pat's. Dufferfield's uh, Duffer feels Derby shows Shell strides, as Paul Butner's piece also in the star. There's like a there's a feisty Thomas Tuchel esque handshake at the end of the game between John Daly and Damien Duff. Like I mean, Duffer is single handedly making the, that part of the league the middle part of the league interesting because yeah, you know, yeah. normally at this stage of the season the title race is potentially over it looks like there's one better team and then another good team who are rising and hopefully Derry will go toe-to-toe properly over the whole season next year but like the, this bit in the middle would tend to not be reported on that much but like the the atmosphere from Talca Park <laughs> every time is, is so good that it's carrying over the whole of Drumcondra. you can hear the
0: crowd and yeah. the other night it was like what's going on I was like oh it brings a bit of interest. It's like the uh, in Formula One that they have the battle of the midfield, where not the people at the back of the grid, not the people at the front, but some years it's made interesting by a little bit of juice. Damien Duff is making that battle of the midfield juicy, which which it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's making seemingly irrelevant games relevant. Maybe because of Damien Duff, maybe because he um, you know has a has a cheeky post match interview every now and again, but. Uh, yeah, I, I like the fact that there, there's a bit more interest in those in those middle games and, and bringing a bit of life to, to other Dublin derbies because let's not forget that Rovers-Bowes isn't the only Dublin derby. Sometimes people forget that. Uh, but Shelburne being back in the big time now in terms of the Premier Division. And attention. like uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be great if Richard Dunn was to take the Bowes oh, down? I'd love it. This, wouldn't it? Like, I'd absolutely love it. From a, from a popcorn point of view, I mean, just put the feet up and... See what happens, and, and and see the first time shells play bows, and Duffer's up against Dunn and they have a a tugal conte moment themselves on the sideline, uh, as as two former teammates and friends. So yeah, uh, definitely making the league more interesting for sure, Duffer.
1: Uh, you got the Irish Times there.
0: Yeah, Irish Times there. The piece that uh, kind of stood out for me, obviously there's the peeps pieces on. Um, Mullins a great interview Brian Talty how Mullins and Talty parted their grievances and became fast friends uh, obviously clashed in that 1983 uh, final 12 Apostles final but remained close friends up to, to Mullins' death um, there was a piece as well that, that kind of struck me as well and, and it's something we probably haven't talked about much in terms of the, the World Cup and guitar but um, there's a piece Kim Wiltshire in Paris has uh, at the bottom of uh, page 27 in the Irish Times Paris joins other French cities in World Cup television boycott uh, so Paris has joined several French cities in announcing they will not show World Cup matches in public places, or set up fan zones in protest at human rights and environmental abuses in the host nation, Qatar. Uh, so, local authorities in, in some of these French cities, Marseille, Lille, Bordeaux, uh, Nancy, Rodet, and the capital, have announced they will not install giant TV screens, uh, as in the past, to relay matches. Uh, so, city councils seem to be voting on this. Uh, the, the socialist mayor in Lille, one of those, to, to come out and speak against this. Interestingly, as well, Pierre Rabidan. As a former French rugby international. He's the deputy in charge of sport in the, in the City Hall in Paris. He said there was no question of installing fan zones in, in Paris. Uh, when you consider that Paris Saint-Germain are the, the team in Paris, uh, Qatari-owned and, and operated, um, that probably is the, the standout, the fact that Paris won't be, uh, won't be staging. Like, it, it's only a small show of protest against the, the World Cup, of course, and <clears throat> perhaps more needs to be done, but it, it kind of highlights how are other countries going to, going to show or otherwise... The World Cup and how are we going to talk about it? Because do you do you talk about every single game with a with an asterisk over it? I know Miguel Delaney touched on this with Joe the other night that it's going to be awkward when it comes around to it because w- when we're talking about the, the games like Netherlands against Senegal or England against Wales or whatever, uh, to what extent do we do we mention the Qatari rights abuses? Do we do it for every single game? Is Maybe it just, yeah, I think you probably just have a
1: like I don't know. Is it a the trouble is right? If it becomes cursory, it'll become wallpaper. But at the same time, like sports watching works, and because you know, uh, Man City at the weekend were playing some of the best
0: football you've seen in that first yeah. half. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's one of the, the elements that Miguel touched on the other night as well. Is that you know, with Newcastle, it's very upfront and and obvious. We, we we've all talked about the Saudi links, but with City, it's almost like. It's forgotten about it It's totally forgotten about it worked Yeah, completely Haaland has uh, you know it's all talk about Haaland now and, and, and the goals and people have forgotten where the money came from and where City got there, got their money since 2008 so yeah to say sports washing works is an absolute certainty and uh, you know my, my concern is that we'll be obviously talking about moments on the football pitch in the, in the World Cup later in the year but uh, we obviously can't forget about the uh, the bigger story here, and y- you would imagine all the TV networks will will cover it in some fashion. Probably at the start of the tournament, and then never speak of it again. But if it's Argentina Brazil in the final, like you know, it, yeah. it'll be amazing. Oh yeah, com- completely. And, and, and rightly, we should we should focus on the football as well. But um, you kind of want to have the yeah, the it's overarching it, it, story it, here. It's a, a test of modern humanity. Can we have uh,
1: competing and um, important stories uh, in the same part of our brain is that possible or yeah. are we too brain dead at this stage too ruined by technology to be able to go oh there are two important things that I need to focus on both of them equally can <laughs> I do this multitasking not easy <laughs> probably can't yeah. um, we need to talk about this story because it's in the front of the uh, telegraph as an exclusive but it's also carried in the back of the mail um, Jeremy Wilson has this story and it's Dr. Willie Stewart who you might be familiar with. He's, he's spoken at length. We've had him on the show before and he's been over in Dublin at various um, concussion conferences down through the years talking about the impact of um, regular impacts on the brain on sports people. They've done a, a longitudinal study now that finds former International Rugby Union players, these are Scottish players, are 15 times more likely to suffer the impact of motor neuron disease than the general public. They're also more likely to have dementia, twice as likely to develop dementia, and three times more likely to suffer Parkinson's. So they did a, a survey of 400 former Scottish internationals. They linked this with, I think, 1,500 members of the general population, cross-referenced their results, and the findings have been published in the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery, and Psychiatry. Um, Willie Stewart is, is the guy who proved that football was linked to neurodegenerative, neurodegenerative disease as well. So he's got a, a long track record of this. And obviously, uh, motor neuron disease is something that I think would have been spoken about quite as much. Uh, Dottie Weir, I, c- I think, is the most famous recent um, rugby player who has contracted MND. Obviously, youth Van of S. and died of it. The former Gloucester forward, it says in the Telegraph here, Ed Slater has also been diagnosed with MND. But as they say, this is the first peer-reviewed study which makes a direct link to rugby's heightened risk. So he's calling for no contact, no contact training sessions during the week. Mm. Um, I think Leinster were saying they only do 15 minutes contact training sessions over the course of the week, and that'll be in two separate bursts. Yeah, um, and that most of the uh, most of the full bore training has disappeared. Um, So Willie Stewart says they're genuinely really concerned about what's happening in the modern game. So this is, uh, everybody had to be over 30, right? But most of the people involved that they'd spoken to had played before professionalism. Um, And so obviously before 1995. And obviously the game has got bigger. The players have got fitter, stronger, heavier, faster. Uh, the, the heavier thing maybe maybe they're not heavier but they're certainly faster and stronger mm. and there was definitely a period where they were heavier but that kind of has come back a little bit and so he's very concerned about the impact that this is going to have rugby's in a really really difficult spot when this type of finding is made because what like what, what do you push back with and say oh we're aware of the findings and we're taking steps
0: like I, I yeah, I was listening to I was listening to Mike Carlson on with yourself and Johnny the other morning, talking about TUA, Takafuloa, and 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 the the, the serious dangers in, in the NFL as well. But but rugby seems to be in a in a terrible position. I know these same researchers in Scotland did a a study on, on professional football as well, and and the risks of heading heading the ball and and, and the increased risk you were at. It. I think it was three and a half times more likely to develop dementia if you're a professional footballer. Um, the concern is that what Dr. Willie Stewart says in this piece is that. In 20 years' time, he would expect that these figures are even more terrifying and scary. Um, 20 years goes, and sorry to tell you all, but 20 years goes very fast. Uh, and, you know, people are going to be, we're going to be sitting here in 20 years' time with drastically different and, and scarier numbers, uh, and nothing will have been done in, in the interim period because um, some sports seem very reluctant to move on from this. There should be absolutely no need for, for contact sport during the week or during competition in rugby. Um, I, I remember reading the Jonathan, great Jonathan Igg biography on Muhammad Ali and he talked about the fact that in, in, the, in the 80s and late on in, in Ali's career when, when probably some damage had already been done um, like he used to practice for fights by repeatedly getting punched in the head and his logic was, well I, I'm going to get punched so I need to be prepared to get punched which looking back now seems archaic and, and ridiculous but I, I have a feeling we're going to look back in it's not quite like the you know looking back at smoking ads in the sixties and saying oh look at what people did back then, but it's not far off. I think we're going to look back in thirty or forty years um, at contact training in rugby and and scrummaging at the moment in rugby and think why didn't we do something? Yeah, they, they look. I mean, I think
1: there's a fairly obvious call being made by Willie Stewart, and uh, in fairness, Aine Fálvys quoted here. He's the chief medical officer of World Rugby. Uh, He says he welcomes the call for more research and stresses that World Rugby has established an independent concussion working group to consider the latest evidence. This enables us to have a constant and open conversation about what changes to the game may be appropriate. And he says um, they've already invested more than 10 million in welfare studies. We'll continue to build on this work in our quest to make our game as safe as it possibly can be for players at all levels within the rugby family. So um, this is a specific research to uh, Scotland. There are now calls for this to be much more broadly studied across the world. And um, they've actually spoken. Dottie Weir is a columnist for The Telegraph. They've spoken to him this morning. And he says, I personally wouldn't change anything about the game. I enjoyed the game. I also feel that playing rugby was not the cause for my disease. I'm delighted for my sons to play the game and have no concerns for them getting MND. I was very surprised with their findings. It would be very interesting in how they came to that conclusion. I find it hard to believe. It would be good to see the biomarkers and evidence before I comment more. And has also then called
0: for more research into the causes of it. Yeah, um, Dolly obviously fully entitled to his opinion. Um, you know, you're going to listen to the medical team on teams on this. Uh, that's the the bottom line and the be all and end all here. Like, it's it just they've been very rugby's been quite slow. To develop and, and move on from all this, like do, do they need? Do we need so many games? And like, from a from a fans' point of view, watching watching rugby, and when you hear stories like this, it makes you feel a little bit dirty as well because you know we expect rugby players to to get out there from an entertainment point of view and play loads of matches and take the hits, and we all uh, praise the hits when they happen. But uh, the impetus here shouldn't be on players. Because even in the NFL, you look, you know, when a player undergoes a concussion protocol, they're, they're going to want to get straight back on the pitch. If, if the decision is down to a player, um, you know, they feel like their job is on the line, their career is on the line, their position, the team is on the line. But um, realistically, the, the, these decisions have to be above the player and above the coaches. Um, we can only listen to medical professionals on this. I mean, here's me and you sitting here without any medical degrees, of course, but... When you hear people like Dr. Willie Stewart, who, we've, as you said, we've had in the show, and Anna Falvey, who's been a, a voice in this as well for, for many years, that is concerning. Um, and, and and look I don't know where this is going to be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years but, but if if these lads are to be listened to and they should be you'd be concerned Alright we'll uh, obviously be covering
1: that story more in the days and weeks and years to come unfortunately it's uh, 8.31 this morning we'd love to hear from you Oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty is the WhatsApp number a couple of quick comments for you uh, Brian Mullins gave me a pre-game talk back in 2006 as Michael and Mickey Whelan brought him in to speak to the team about attitude and personal responsibility amazing man condolences to all the family Eamon Dawson says Brian Mullins was my hero as a kid I started secondary school in Greendale and he walked in the room and announced he was our special class tutor I was awestruck as an
0: 11 year old he was a giant I can only imagine what that must have been like, oh, like you see a county player from your, like, walking into your room uh, and not one that is so big in stature uh, as a kid, you, you don't forget those moments. Uh, Barbalatza83
1: says, "I remember being transfixed as a young lad to those great clashes between Dublin and Kerry. I still find myself judging today's players by the likes of Brian Mullins and Paul O'Shea, indeed. And um, that's just a, a flavour of the comment. Philip Quinn in today's Irish Mail has um, he's crunched the." Potential outcomes from the draw on Sunday for the Euro qualifiers. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not supposed to talk about the uh, international team because we're, we're back in the Premier League and the Champions League, on. But anyway, I'm going to. Take, <laughs> um, and Philip Quinn on done it. This is a really interesting piece. Uh, so the qualification pots are dream draw, right? Mm. Hungary, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Ireland, Faroe Islands, Malta.
0: You take that all day long? Yeah, you would, yeah.
1: A second n- nearly dream draw, Croatia, Israel Faroe Islands Moldova and Andorra Mm -hmm. Sixteen groups. yeah Yeah. Uh, nightmare draw
0: here's where the
1: fear starts Belgium France Greece Slovakia Ireland Mm. no thank you Belgium and France in the same group you just have to hope that they they draw their two games and we win one and lose one against them and is that what we hope
0: uh, like if you have a double header in the international window there against De Bruyne one week and Mbappe the next week you're starting to question everything you're starting to question i mean steven's uh, time in charge might uh, might struggle um the results business
1: well,
0: we've struggled against teams of lower calibre uh, we, we do so. we do well we <laughs> yeah.
1: rattle we rattle france under martin o'neill why wouldn't we why wouldn't we do the same thing again and um so he also has, has uh the he, good line here the Euro 2024 playoff path isn't as confusing as that of the Women's World Cup but it's not straightforward either it's pretty confusing um, basically 21 of the 24 finalists will be decided Germany automatic qualifiers and then the uh, top two basically in the 10 qualifying groups all go through mm. which leaves three places left for anybody who topped a Nations League group but didn't qualify through the qualifiers so it's fifty fifty whether or not we're going to be in a playoff. And then if it is a playoff, that won't happen until March twenty twenty four. And that'll be another two game playoff like the one if we'd got over Slovakia, we would have had to play was it the North? That was
0: reasonably well explained, I have to say, Jer. Really yeah, Many I, years of practice. I think in international windows now you you almost need a degree to understand how playoffs and um all these things work. I know Kevin Gaban had great fun trying to describe the nation's lead to us when it first was was proposed, but yeah, some of the some of the permutations and, and, and groups and, and meanings behind all these things don't make sense to me anymore. Do you want to get England? <laughs> Do we raise our game against England? No, I don't want to get England. No, no? thanks. No. For what reason?
1: Uh, I don't want. There'd be loads of security issues. It'd be terrible. We don't. We don't need that. Like yeah. they're also quite a good football team. They're, they You know.
0: I don't think it'd be as bad in terms of security as it as it used to be. It's uh, it just
1: be, that we'd have to talk about it.
0: Yeah, it would be. A, it would be a, a talking point, an issue. Um, I'd quite like to see it quite like to see us in a group as long as the remainder of the group is reasonably straightforward yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're probably going to have one big hitter anyway there's also a very succinct paragraph of travel writing here as for the travelling
1: Irish fans the Nightmare Vista will be Switzerland brackets too dear Israel brackets too far Kazakhstan brackets even further and Belarus brackets grim
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fair um, I guess from travelling perspective, from the Irish fans, they want somewhere close. Uh, should mention as well, Club Bruges last night. Oh yeah, let come Madrid two nil. I mean, and looking at their earlier results. Wasn't it Porto four nil in Portugal? I think Bruges' uh, fortunes have had a massive turnaround ever since they made that movie
1: about the city. Like yep. before yeah. that, they weren't even on the map. No one knew who they
0: were. Yeah, and we did We speak about we spoke about Bruges with, with John on the, on the show one morning about. Um, from a tourist perspective, wanting to visit it, but they they're f- sensational, top of the group. Yeah, if they keep if they keep if they keep doing what they're doing in the football pitch, because I was at a, a Club Brugge United game in the Europa League a couple of years, or just at the outset of COVID, it was literally as the first case in Ireland was 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 coming into the news, and United beat them fairly comfortably in the Europa League. But they've obviously come a long way since then um, as a team. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the new Martin McDonough film as well, just on that.
1: Uh, yeah, one last thing. Um, we were talking yesterday about Damien Brown. He obviously was uh, in the city of Galway yesterday. Um, unfortunately, he didn't quite get the entrance into the city that he wanted.
0: No. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be kind of half 10, 11 a.m. yesterday morning where he committed the port of Galway, but um, ran ashore on rocks um, uh, on, the, on the beach at 1 a.m. So, uh, Padre Restaurant, a lot of people will know it there, and... Um, kind of between, is it Barna and Spittle, and, and he he had really had no choice, he, he noticed himself getting very close to the rocks, uh, tried to row out, but then, again, there was, was dangerous rocks coming towards him and he ended up uh, coming ashore a little bit earlier than expected. I watched an eight-minute video on his Instagram yesterday where he explained in, in good detail what happened, spent the night in his, in his parents' uh, family childhood home, and uh, still got his reception into the Port of Galway on, on the boat, but obviously... It, had, had really touched land the night before but got really emotional towards the end of it when he talked about uh, a couple of guardi, uh meeting him on the beach and uh, just such a like it must have been bizarre I think he said when he stood up his legs he tried to stay in the boat for five or ten minutes but then eventually realised this is quite dangerous to stay when there's rocks right here so he got out of the boat took the boat onto, the, onto the, the beach or onto the rocks and the two guards welcomed him and um I can only imagine what that must feel like. He said his legs were like jelly. Understandable after 112 days on the Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> uh, having not stood on proper ground in in months. So um, yeah. yeah, amazing, amazing individual, and the mental strength of wow. that guy. You know, we, Sensei- we, we,
1: sincere,
0: sincere, uh, sensational. Even uh, Carl, good stuff.
1: Thanks very much thanks for that. Lads. OTB AM with Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.